on this week's episode. Boy, we have a jam-packed one for you guys. We preview the Peach Bowl, and we do a special scout on both Ohio State's offense and defense. As always, I'm Cheeto, and with me is Keegan. And we are joined by our special guest, none other than Chris Singleton. Dog Nation, you're not going to want to miss this. Welcome back to another episode of Dogs Off the Leash. I do it for the dogs. At it, Paul. I've been calling in all year trying to get on. I'm just playing. But, uh, yeah, great to be here, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. How was uh, everybody's Christmas? Pipes burst yeah, in the house. Some headaches there. But other than that, you know, got to see family, friends, uh, good food. Can't complain. The pros outweigh the cons. And your pipes only burst on your house. So that's uh... – <laughs> That's always a positive. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but it was a good Christmas. I've actually been pretty sick, but uh, I'm on the I'm on the mend and on the recovery, and I'm looking for health victories and big dog victories. So, uh, <laughs> looking looking forward to a uh, some morale boost if Georgia can get themselves in position for another national championship game. And just kind of you know digging in deep. There's so much content out there that is available to the world that you could just, you know, you could spend the next uh, probably two years absorbing it all just for this little pregame matchup. So it's been uh, quite interesting to see all the hot takes and the people picking Ohio State. But, uh, Cheeto, I guess I'll start with you and then go to Chris. Uh, how, how are you guys feeling? Just overall vibes for the matchup? Excited, nervous? Like, where, where are you at? So – Okay, I love that question. That's that's kind of where I wanted to start as well because for me, I am confident, but there's a different vibe this year for this game, right? Not only do I think that we got the toughest draw in Ohio State, but this year is it's it's different in that Georgia is not trying to, you know, um, you know, exercise its demons anymore, right? We're not trying to knock off Alabama that's always kept us from the mountain. We are on top of the mountain now with last year's win coming in as number one. And the mindset Kirby started this year with, we will not be hunted. I want to see if that actually comes true because a lot of people, especially in the media, you guys know Georgia teams never get any love, but ESPN sort of starting to come around to Georgia's the favorite. I think we're favored by six and 6.5 right now. And a lot of people think Georgia's going to run away with this. And that's a shift from mindset from what it has been. So I want to know if Kirby is going to be able to keep some of the guys that haven't been on this stage before, but a lot of people coming back, if we can kind of have that hunter mentality and not fall victim to the people patting us on the back. And I wanted to present the same thing to you guys. How do you feel? Because it's definitely a shift. How do you feel from the, the vibe is from last year to this year? And it could, could it be a hindrance for us going through the playoffs? Yeah. So uh, I think that uh, we're just going to have to keep that, that mantra that Kirby's gave us all year of we got, we have to be the hunter, not the hunted. Uh, so we're, we're definitely going to have to stick with that. Um, 
I think the news coming out uh, has been encouraging to hear as far as sounds like everybody's came back from the holidays. Everyone's focused. Uh, it sounds like the coaches have positive things to say about this group. And, uh, you know, from a, from an outside perspective, that is concerning um, because we see how it played out last year and our brain kind of tends to draw um, draw conclusions based on past events. And, and they're almost sitting in the role that we were in last year. Uh, they'd been, they'd been beaten by arrival. They're coming into the game with a, a chip on their shoulder um, with a, a loss, a pretty bad loss, uh, which, you know, I didn't think it was as bad as a lot of people say it was still a pretty close game into the fourth quarter. Um, and it just kind of got away from them there at the very end, but uh, nonetheless, uh, they they put up a good performance for three quarters. But all it takes is that one quarter uh, for someone to pull Absolutely. away. And and I think their mindset is going to be very similar to ours last year. They're they're going to be refocused. They're they're a good team. They're not going to just uh, wallow in sorrow over that loss. And they've been give, gifted an opportunity at a shot at a national title. And uh, we definitely can't underestimate that mindset and we've just got to go out and do what we need to do to continue to hunt. I heard that. Yeah. I feel like Georgia maybe has pressure on them for, you know, headlines and calling it a dynasty and maybe, you know, for some kind of history book sake or just to kind of match the media's pace where all of a sudden they're, you know, giving us the, the benefit of the doubt all of a sudden and all the pats on the back, like you guys were kind of mentioning, but as far as just pressure, I don't necessarily feel that outside of that kind of narrative. I feel like Georgia, you know, they've set themselves up for the future. Um, this is our, what, third appearance in the playoff. And, you know, it's got, I'm looking at the big picture that, you know, Georgia's right where we want to be. We're competing in on, you know, on one of the biggest stages. And that's just kind of like what what we're about here at UGA is just trying to be dominant, be playing at a very, very high level. And, hey, we got a, another great opportunity. And if they keep that hunted or the, the hunting me mentality, then we're going to be right where we need to be. And hopefully, uh, ho hopefully the players are doing like that. But one thing that I will say – since Kirby has been here is that he has been a great leader for mentality and probably one of the best, if not the best uh, for mentality, just getting his, getting his players in the right frame of mind going into these games. So I, I like where we're at. And I think if there's any pressure, it's just for uh, sports writers to, you know, claim, claim the D word and say it's a dynasty right. or I like that ESPN article. I'm sure a lot of us saw that we're the, Oh, the next Alabama, which mm -hmm. is, you know, this this gross to me. It's, there's a lot. There's been so many good dynasties in college football. So, you know, we're just the next. We're on the rise. And Georgia, Georgia's uh, – we're swinging big. We're swinging for the fences. So, I, I feel no, no pressure whatsoever. It's more just like we're in a great position. We got all our chips where they need to go. And hopefully we get some luck and uh, some great execution out there from our guys. And, and and to your point, I think it is a little bit more perceived pressure for the fans. That's one of the other things I always rave about Kirby and how he puts he puts things where they need to be in order. Within the program, it doesn't feel like pressure, but I do want to acknowledge that this is history that we're going for. 
to potentially be a back-to-back winner in the college football playoff will be the first time that it's ever happened. And like Georgia or not, if we were to accomplish that feat, that is something ESPN and everybody else would have to acknowledge. Georgia would be looked at from the outside, from a national perspective, way different from then on. Kirby would be looked at way different from then on. One championship, you're you're good. Two, you're great. Back to back, buddy. And like you said, we're set up for the future. So that's that's a um that's a really really prominent point that I wanted to make there. And Chris, I know you you had something that you wanted to add to that as well. Yeah, and if uh, if motivation is is what we're talking about in this game, if that's not enough for you, uh, I mean, we got drubbed in the in the secondary in the SEC championship towards the end there by the backup quarterback for LSU, um, and I know we set a very high standard. Uh, even allowing a touchdown on defense is considered, uh, you know, that's that's failure to to our defensive team and and the standard that they set. Uh, much less to have a backup quarterback throw for 500 yards on you. Um, so I hope that that alone will provide the jolt of motivation uh, to really uh, spark us and and keep keep us where we need to be for the game. Yeah, and you know, on you know, we're talking about what a big win would do for kind of perspective and how that kind of writes the history books flipping the page to Ohio State, you know, Ryan Day's kind of get – I wouldn't say he's got a hot seat, but he's been in this moment a few times now, and there's kind of this narrative around him that he can't necessarily get it done, like, in the bigger moments, like, mm-hmm. on a cons- consistent basis. So, there, if anything, there's kind of a – on the flip side, you know, Kirby wins – you know, Kirby, Kirby could, I mean, I, God, I hope we don't lose. But, you know, if we did, I don't think anyone's writing off Kirby Smart. But no. on the other hand, Ryan Day, he loses. It's like, yeah, they just can't get his boys right. It turns into that. Mm-hmm. They're Clemsoning. Like, that was used to be a thing. Or, oh, he's Mark Rick. He's good, but not great or whatever. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's the, the storylines, I guess, kind of write themselves. But there's a lot of X's and O's, and we can get into that. And just, I guess you guys have both been – Looking at Ohio State, uh, any immediate reactions or thoughts just to – I know we can we'll break down the nitty-gritty, but just how you all feel about them as an opponent. And a tough draw, a lot of people say. I know, Cheetah, you just mentioned that. But how do you all feel overall as them as a team? Do you think they're – let's just go off, off the cuff with this. Are they the best team we've played all year, or was that Tennessee? Or LSU? And – uh, I think that's a good question. I think, I think they are probably the best team that we've played all year. Um, I think they're, you know, they do some things similar to Tennessee in the passing game. I think they're particularly more of a threat to us because of their vertical passing game and their deep game uh, and how we gave up some yards deep. But um, they're they're going to be as talented as Tennessee, if I would say they're more talented. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's going to be a huge game. Really excited to see how it plays out. Um, As I mentioned before, I do think Ohio State is definitely the toughest draw that we've had. So I think for three teams, it goes this way. For Georgia, this is going to be the toughest team that we've seen all season. For Ohio State, Georgia is going to be the toughest team that they've seen all season. And no disrespect, but for TCU – 
Michigan's going to be the toughest game that they've had all season. Everybody outside of Michigan's going to see their toughest opponent in my in my opinion. But I, although Georgia fans kind of have some confidence coming in here. This is going to be a battle. I don't think a lot of fans really understand unless they really understand Ohio State football. This is a blue blood program. This is going to be a fight. It's going to come down, honestly, probably to turnovers or how much we can limit their plays. But And we'll talk about it later as we break down, you know, offense and defense. But expect it to be a lot of – I expect Kirby to have focused on the Tennessee film and the Michigan film both as far as what we've done well to stop an offense and then how we can attack um, Ohio State's defense. I'm really leaning on those two games to be a blueprint for us. And Keegan, you were tasked with covering the defense for Ohio State. Talk to us about what you've learned from them, some weaknesses. Uh, Chris, please feel feel free to throw in some weaknesses that you've seen from some of the games that you reviewed. And let's uh, let's break down this defense. Uh, So I I was just starting to say that overall – I think Ohio State kind of gets a deservedly bad rep uh, just on defense. They've kind of struggled. They, they haven't been as quite as dominant as they were in the Justin Field, uh, Fields age or just really any time they've had a super dominant. Oh, I mean, of course, you, you know, go back to the Jim Trellis era. They were very complimentary football, but uh, they've improved a lot. You know, they're not perfect, but they did acquire the uh, defensive coordinator of the year. Uh, coming into the season, he, Jim Knowles, he came from Oklahoma State. That was a big get for them. Uh, he he really had those Oak State guys uh, with a, a great D-line and just a, uh, a kind of a, you know, he kind of likes to run a very similar uh, still catch kind of or still trap kind of defense that, you know, kind of like we ran against Tennessee where you play a lot of man, you try to get pressure, you really rely on safeties. He likes to play a safety driven defense as he puts it. And uh, they've had a pretty good season though. Uh, they've, they've maintained many get main managed to get many teams in the, you know, 10 and teens, uh, you know, teams that they were playing in the big 10, trying to keep them below 20 points. And they've had, I think three games where they gave up 30 or more, but overall they have a lot of studs. They had a lot of uh, dudes go, you know, first, second, third team, Big Ten, uh, Big uh, all Big Ten, and you know the the one name that you're going to hear a lot is Tommy Aichenberg. He's kind of their he's their best defensive player statistically by a mile. He's got way more tackles. I think he's got like second team All American. Is that what he finished as uh, this year? Something prominent. Uh, yeah, he was uh he was first team uh, Big Ten. I think he was second team All American. Uh, but, you know, he, he's got, you know, like 32 more solo tackles than the next leading guy. But this guy, you know, Tommy, he's he's more just a really sound defensive player. He's not necessarily just the fastest or the strongest. He's not that physically imposing, but he's just always where he needs to be. Um, they run some with him. He's made some, you know, some a couple of pick sixes. Um you know, he's just really in position where he needs to be. So I would just say that's his strength. I mean, he's obviously a great player, probably has a, you know, solid NFL career, but, you know, puts himself in good position. And then, you know, just looking at the tape, uh, you know, not as drastic on on the statistical side of things, but JT uh, Tui Maloa, who, uh, he, he's the guy that really kind of pops to me. He, he makes some big plays. 
left and right. He's really twitchy. He's a de- defensive lineman coming out of, I guess he's a sophomore now. So his recruiting class, he was a top five defensive uh, lineman recruit. And he just got that twitch, that big playability. And he's able to, you know, really, uh, you know, he just got that athletic ability to make big plays when you need it. And as a defensive lineman against Penn State, he managed to get two interceptions. And, that, you know, Stetson, uh, in his formative moments when he really was struggling, we were worried about his height because it was like, you know, in the Florida game or some of these other games where it's like passes were just getting batted down left and right. And that's something they do pretty well. And I know Stetson's evolved a lot to kind of get his angles better and get out of the pocket and, do what he no- needs to do to uh, get movement and improve his accuracy. But that's something that they've been able to do really well with JT Tui Maloa. And he's only a sophomore, but he's uh, he's done a really good job making the big plays. And the other guy I would just say that's a need-to-know name is Ronnie Hickman, who actually led the team in tackles last season. Mm-hmm. His uh, numbers have taken a, a dive, but he still managed to be, you know, uh, a Big Ten uh, all all Big Ten player. Um, he's got an NFL future, and he's also real clutch and just, you know, in a safety-driven defense, obviously a safety like Ron, Ronnie Hickman is someone they rely on. And, I mean, maybe it's a good thing when your safety is making half as uh, less tackles and he hasn't been injured and he's playing as much. So I, I was trying to read into the stats on that. But, um, yeah, those are kind of the three guys that I was really paying attention to. There's – other name players, but just watching the tape. That's who I was kind of looking at. So question for you, just real quick, Keegan. So, yeah. uh, um, great scouting as far as like who we need to focus on, because I think the media is telling us more about the offensive side where a lot of people aren't familiar with the defense. And like you said, they deserve a lot of credit, but as an offense for UGA, how can we um, affect them the most or where, where have they been success susceptible this year and is it just, do we just do the same thing as Michigan did? Like, do we approach them, like run the ball heavy and take big play action shots? Because I saw that Michigan was very successful against their defense doing that. And I feel like we can do Michigan better than Michigan. So what are your thoughts after scouting the defense? Well, as physical as we can be, we spread the ball out a little bit better than Michigan. We have a few more weapons than Michigan. And overall, it seems like when teams struggle against Ohio State, it's because they're trying to go, uh, you know, lateral, not vertical. Mm. Like Ohio State is pretty damn fast, like on defense. And, you know, they're, I think they're like 11th overall in total D. Now they're giving up like maybe 10 or 15 more points on that range than Georgia as far as the scoring part of it goes. But they're very quick. So I don't necessarily think we got to run the ball 300 times, but I think we'd be foolish not to use some of our physicality. We've got one of the best offensive lines in the country. And just on tape, yeah, I would time. They're not big as an SEC defense at all. And I just, I just feel like we got to lean on the physicality side of it. So that just means, you know, getting running backs, the ball, making sure that, you know, we're getting Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington in there on those tight end sets where we have extra blockers and just kind of using our numbers like we've done all season. You know, nothing, not reinventing the wheel or anything like that, but it seems like when teams have really struggled against Ohio State, it's like they're trying to go sideline to sideline. And while 
you know, not every single player on there is a speedster. Ohio State's got some guys that really can just hit that last-minute angle. So it's, it's not necessarily the best method of approach if you're just trying to finesse them. I would say that would be what we should not be doing. And overall, just getting uh, Stetson Bennett in space when things break down because they're not necessarily the most explosive team as far as, like, getting that uh, havoc. But, you know, they, they have struggled a, a decent amount when, you know, they're they're you know they're playing man right a lot of times so it's like you get some space and all of a sudden everyone's down the field with their guy and now Stetson's got an ex, you know a free ten yards to run so I would just say just kind of leaning on our physicality and uh, not reinventing the wheel and just learning from other teams' mistakes trying to just play speed on speed I think I think we got to lean on that offensive line we got it's doing so well. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think if you watch the, uh, the Ohio State-Michigan game, there were a lot of plays where they got good pressure on uh, on the quarterback. on uh, and, and what happened was he got outside of the box there, and he, he was able to make some big plays. Um, and fortunately for us, Stetson Bennett has been capable of doing that all season. Uh, he's been able to get outside of the pocket and make a, make a throw or use his legs to get us where we need to go. So I think, uh, you know, that, that plays an advantage with us. One thing I did notice too about their, uh, defensive line, I forget the guy's name, uh, but it looked like in a couple big games, he, he was able to get a hand on the ball. And, and since, you know, Stetson's a shorter QB, uh, he'll have to keep an eye out for, for the hands of, uh, that player in particular. I can't remember if it was, uh, Maybe. Probably JT, number 44. Either that or it might have been the Tommy uh, Eichenberg guy. I'm not sure. But uh, it was one of those guys I saw in a couple of the games. He was able to really get his paws up there and get in the, the throwing lane. So uh, Stetson might have to loft a few over that guy if he sees him coming because he's got some good hands. Um, but, yeah, I think yeah. – those are all great points, and uh, it's going to – they've got a good defense, but it's it's uh, not not on the level of our defense, I want to say. So, I think we've we've got them beat in, in most facets if you just look at the team side-by-side comparisons. Uh, and I think also something – are the special teams, uh, whenever you look at their kicker, uh, I saw that the, the, they had a secondary kicker practicing longer kicks because their main field goal kicker is kind of not capable of making those shorter ones um, throughout the season. So, uh, and we've we've blocked a couple field field goal attempts this year. So, um, special teams, you know, I think we've got an edge there. We've just got to play our game. Yeah, I agree with that. I would say the one thing. The two things I would give to Ohio State is that they're athletic and that they're skilled on the ball. So they, they got a good nose for the football in their, their hands, not just that one player, which I think is JT number 42 – or 44, rather. But, you know, they, they have uh, a bunch of ballers, a lot of talent, a lot of high, high recruits that probably, you know, all played both ways in high school. So – that's something to consider. But overall, I feel like Georgia sets up well. And I don't think we necessarily take do exactly what 
um, Michigan did. But, I mean, they gave up over 250 yards on the ground. We're averaging about 200 yards a game. So, anytime you hear that, you're kind of in a good spot. But, you know, Cheeto, I'd be curious to see, you know, on the – what. You know, I know you haven't gone as deep, but what do you what are your thoughts adding to what we've kind of mentioned? Just where where do you think we stand offensively, and what what would you do if you're uh, Todd Munkin and and Mike Bobo and friends? You know, uh, what wh- what are your thoughts on offensive strategy here? Honestly, uh, I can't wait to see what Munkin's gonna cook up. I really can't because he always has this little <laughs> this little couple plays, these little wrinkles. Um, from what they've seen on film, and you guys will know better than me that got to break down defense. I don't know if they're more stout on the edges versus the interior, but I- I've said it. I do think we go I, that we do Michigan better than Michigan. I really think that we beat up on these guys and make them prove. Now, don't get it wrong. They do have NFL talent on that defense, but I do think that we lean on them, that we run heavy because, again, we talked about how Kendall Milton is rounding into form. They're going to see a heavy dose of Kendall Milton, and then when we need to switch it up on, you know, second long, third and long, uh, expect McIntosh to be out there testing their wide receivers. The linebackers, same way we did to Oregon, are going to be in trouble. You're going to have to be able to guard running backs on the wheel routes and out of the backfield, as well as Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers. I really think this needs to be a Brock Bowers, um, not coming out, but just a cementing of how great he is type of party. In these types of games, big players make big, big time plays during big moments. You, you know the phrase. I expect us to lean on that. And from what I understand, Ohio State's defense, they really do lack as far as their red zone defense. And if there's one thing that we have gotten better at and that we can be super explosive is once we get in the red zone, good luck guarding our tight ends. So I um, I really think that's where we're going to exploit them. And as we flip hands and we transition to the offense, guys, let me tell you how much fun this was to scout and how much fun these guys were to cover. Because um, as, as you guys may have heard, Kevin Wilson is our offensive coordinator. Imagine Ohio State being very similar to what we saw in Tennessee. They are putting up 44.5 points per game. That is number two currently. The head coach has already admitted, though, he's been he's been given the head coaching job at Tulsa. So admittedly, his focus hasn't been all on this game, which may bode well for Georgia. He's admitted that 70% has gone to preparation for the playoff, 30 and his new responsibilities at Tulsa. So not to saying they won't be successful, but we've seen – that type of thing happened before with Nick Saban, with Kirby Smart. Sometimes there is a little bit of a distraction there. Um, but the real story, the real story is the the players that they have on offense. CJ Stroud, we do know, was at the Heisman ceremony, finished in front of Stetson, and, and rightfully so. This guy is a prototypical pro-style quarterback, um, amazing at what he does. But he is very different from Justin Fields, and Georgia fans know that Justin Fields gameplay very well. And that he is more of a pocket passer and he's not going to scramble when things break down, which bodes well for Georgia. So expect Jalen Carter to make a, a huge, a huge impact on this game by bringing pressure from the inside and making him scramble to the outside and getting him off his timing because timing is going to be key for this quarterback for him to connect with these wide receivers. For you guys who play fantasy, you guys know these wide receivers, um, well, the wide receivers from last year, big difference from last year to this year. They had Chris Olave. They had Garrett Wilson. Those guys are elite just to give you kind of the mold of Ohio State wide receivers. Um, Jamison Wilson back then, too. But now it's Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ejibuka, who are both 1,000-yard receivers. 
12 touchdowns and nine touchdowns respectively. Uh, Edgebuka was a five-star wide receiver coming out of the 21 class, the number one wide receiver overall. Um, but as far as Stroud, we should be we should be very focused on him. And Kirby's very good about planning the defense around stopping your quarterback. But he was better last year than he was this year. And again, I think it's in part due to the wide receivers that we talked about. Last year, Stroud threw for 4,400 yards, 44 touchdowns, six interceptions. This year, he's only thrown for 3,300 yards to 37 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And then the biggest difference between him and Justin Fields, Justin Fields in his two years, 15 rushing touchdowns, almost 800 yards rushing. Stroud has zero touchdowns. So, so again, when the play breaks down, he is not a threat. So I think that is advantage, Georgia, because we're much better suited to handle that versus uh, a Johnny Manziel or a, um, a Justin Fields type of player because that's when you really – it's really dangerous. So I see a lot of pros there in, in that aspect. Yeah, and I bad to that. Both teams, uh, they have 11 wins by at least double digits this season. Uh, so we're going to see two high-octane offenses battle it out. Um, of course, they have Mar Marvin Harrison uh, Jr., son of Marvin Harrison Sr. that used to be with Peyton Manning. Uh, back in the day but he uh, he is you know he's a beast he's just an excellent wide receiver one of the best in the NCAA I would say so Keely Ringo is going to have to have to turn in a, uh, a stellar performance and another hopefully uh, checking his book as far as just excellent performances and big time games so I hope to see Keely Ringo covering, but honestly, the easiest way to mitigate Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be to uh, make Stroud as uncomfortable as possible. Um, so I think that just like you were saying, Cheeto, uh, if we can make them one-dimensional, if we can keep that pass rush uh, up there and keep him get a few sacks, only one team this year, Penn State, has more than one sack on Stroud. Uh, so he, he doesn't, he doesn't hold the ball. He might not be able to escape, but he doesn't take a sack very often. Uh, Penn state had two and that's, that's the most against them this year. So hopefully we can, you know, break, uh, at least beat Penn state's, uh, bar there and maybe get three, you know, maybe get, what was it? Seven against Tennessee or something like that. I, ex um, I expect it to be a very similar game plan to Tennessee, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, we can, if we can create some turnovers, uh, and really just make Stroud as uncomfortable as possible. They're super limited on depth. They're running back at the moment. Uh, currently, they have a two-way defense offensive player kind of having to practice, uh, and they're, I think the guy that's the starter wasn't out on the field in the first day of practice because he's feeling under the weather. So uh, the depth for running back isn't really there, and we're already really hard to stop the run against. So – I mean, we just got to put that pressure on him and make sure that we don't give up those big-time yardage plays that we did against LSU. Yeah, and you, you make a great point about the injuries because they are mounting for Ohio State. They have already lost Travion Henderson, their you know, go-to back, as well as Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, and that will, that will affect them. Now, Mayan Williams is the next back up, but even he has been uh, – been dealing with a leg injury and he wasn't even at the uh, podium when they were answering questions. So um, that's not going to help them. But, but again, as far as the game plan really expect it to be very similar to the Tennessee game plan, bump and run coverage from the secondary, and then just 
trying to beat Penn State sack numbers and really affecting the quarterback for Ohio State, getting his timing off, making him un uncomfortable, and getting him off his spot. Again, he wants to sit in that pocket and just pass it around. He is a prototypical quarterback, so if we can get his timing off, we are in for um, you know, a really good day as a defense. And then with the injuries there, I wanted to also point out Ohio State's tight end. Cade Stover is from Lexington, Kentucky. He has five touchdowns and about 400 yards on the day. Expect him to be a factor since they're missing uh, some help on the wide receiver side. Um, I really do expect them to go to him, especially if they get into the red zone. But overall, I do expect us to be a better version of Michigan, pounding them and um, going with the play action on the other side of the ball. That's that's my thoughts, and that's what I saw from the scouting. Yeah, I'm hoping this is the game where Jalen Carter gets a couple of sacks and uh, does some dirty things because I've been obviously a big fan. I just want him to finish strong and just kind of, you know, show the world he's the next Aaron Donald, which I really kind of think he could be. So looking forward to some dominant performances. But, yeah, Kirby, get creative. Send the blitzes any which way. We don't care if it's the water boy out there blitzing. It really doesn't matter. Um, I don't think we got an Adam Sandler on the team. But, you know, just, just anybody – Anybody and everybody to make C.J. Stroud a little bit more uncomfortable than he was on his way to becoming a Heisman finalist. And this is just like a weird thing. And I'm just going to say it, though, just like watching some of these uh, media interactions. I don't know what it is, but he just doesn't seem very happy. I don't know what you can like read into that. But if it were me, I might just be nervous that I'm playing Georgia's day. It seems like Stetson Bennett is in much Great Much spirits, better yeah. spirits, yeah. yeah. Okay. So they were talking about CCJ Stroud. He's a little, uh, a little off just emotionally. I don't know if that's just his way he focuses. You know, everybody does a little different. But just looking forward to a big defensive game. And like you know, you said, Chris, you know, Georgia, they were playing a little bit more zone when they gave up some uh, big yards and numbers to LSU. Uh, true. LSU, yeah, that will happen at, again. At, yeah, but you know, take it personal. I think. I like that Kirby finds a way to to put a chip on the shoulder. It's Absolutely. like you could think everything's going right and we have every reason to pat our backs. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, let me remind you how much you suck. You're worth it. <laughs> you need to work harder. <laughs> like, it's just crazy how he's able to do that. But, I mean, I'm not, I was not happy that, you know, LSU did what they did on us, you know, despite us winning with, you know. 20 points. Getting the 50. Yeah, 20 points with. 50 on the board but just just nice for me psychologically knowing that the uh the psychological emotional edge doesn't just go to ohio state who's got a second sign of life and you know basically i mean for all intents and purposes got in this game because they're you know their schedule's soft i've, I've picked them and clemson to get in because they have a soft schedule um and, you know, it's almost like a consolation prize. I'm not taking anything away from our opponent, and I really don't, uh, you know, they're obviously really talented, and they have the potential to knock us off and uh, do what they need to do. But at the same time, you know, we have an edge as well, and it's going to take more than just some kind of, like, emotional gimmick. Georgia's defense is going to be ready to come correct, and I expect I expect a big performance. We'll see. Um, how things play out just in our post post game wrap up but I like that we we can uh, get right and do what we need to do looking at looking at ourselves in the mirror just you know expecting a big game from our biggest stars on, on the deep on the, on the defensive side so 
that's kind of what I'm looking forward to overall. So, guys, before we wrap this up, how are we feeling about score predictions? Chris, you want to go first? Yeah. Uh, you know, this game's in Atlanta. We haven't even mentioned that. So, that's going to play into our favor, I think, 45 uh, to 10. Keegan, what do you got? Top. Score predictions. Ooh. Oh, man, I hope you're right, Chris. Uh, man, you know, I, I think that, you know, they say Georgia's like, 56 and one when they score 30 points and then they're like two and eight when their opponent scores 30 or more points. So I think we got to hit that 30 number. Um, but yeah, I like, I like us in the forties as well. Um, so I'm going to say like, you know, 40, 17, you know, some late, some later points or maybe it's close. I don't really know how it shakes out, but yeah, I like 40, 17. Those are some pretty lopsided scores, and I'm I'm really excited to hear that. But I wanted to just take a peek back at what Ohio State's done in some of their other games that were close. You go back going back to Penn State, Penn State put up 31 points on Ohio State's defense. Maryland put up 30. And then we all know by now that Michigan scored 45 to Ohio State's 23. So I think in order for Ohio State to come out with a win against Georgia, which I don't think they'll do that they have to score 30 points. And again, if those teams that I just listed can score 30-plus on Ohio State's defense, I think that we are even more capable. So with that being said, give me Georgia coming out on top in Atlanta, 42 to Ohio State's 24. So I got them scoring a little bit more than both uh, Keegan and Chris, but not at that 30 threshold. And I think the dogs go into 2023 with the win and further their quest to go back to back first time ever college football playoff national chance national champions and just a whole lot to celebrate it's been a good year and the thing is that kirby and company are not done yet the dogs have a lot to prove that we are going to continue to be the hunters and not the hunted Keegan, I appreciate you. Chris, I appreciate you being our special guest today. And hopefully we're all ce celebrating the new year with a dog win and with family and loved ones. As always, Dog Nation, hope you guys had a good time. Leave a comment, like, follow, subscribe, and you know what it is. Off the leash. I do it for the dogs.